Good evening, everybody. Um, as Ellery said, uh, my name's Hannah. I'm married to Josh and have our little son, Amos, who is... Oh, Maddie's got him. Someone's got him. Um, and I'm a member of St Nick's here, and it's really exciting to be speaking to you today. So we, like Eloise said, we're starting a series this August called Character Matters. And in this, we're exploring a passage from the book of Exodus. So just before I read it, the context is the Israelites have been rescued from Egypt. They're currently wandering the desert. Um, and during this time, Moses climbs a mountain and starts speaking to God. And this little passage is part of what God reveals to him in that moment. Um, so we're going to have a look at it now. And it says this, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. So this passage isn't just a nice couple of words to tell us who God is. Uh, this passage has major significance. Here, God is telling the Israelites, through Moses, both his name and his character. God is saying, I'm not just some ethereal being who you cannot know. I'm not a God whose mood changes depending on the weather or how many sacrifices you have given me. He is saying, I am a God who is after relationship. I'm a God whose character does not change. I'm a God whom you can know. This passage is so significant, it's repeated over 20 times in Scripture. And I think it's important that we explore it, that we know it, that we understand it. It's so easy for us when we come to God's character to change God to make him who we kind of want him to be who suits us at that particular time. But if we're actually to truly pursue a relationship with God, we need to know him and know who he says he is. And so today, that's what our sort of whole August series is about. And today I'm going to look at that first characteristic that's mentioned in that passage, which is compassionate. So in the past month, my husband Josh, my son Amos and I have been to three weddings quite a lot in a month, uh, which has created some hilarious conversations at the last wedding we went to, where young adults were coming up to Amos saying, well done on your first wedding. And we say, he's actually been to three. And it turns out he's been to more than they have. Um, But I love a good wedding. And I love the emotions that you have as you go along in the day. So the first bit is you get to the wedding and you see people that you maybe haven't seen for ages and you're all dressed up and it's all really exciting. And then there's that next bit where you see the tear in the groom's eye as he first sees the bride. So good. And then um, you've got the speeches, which just aren't really funny, but everyone laughs anyway because they're all in that moment. And then at the end of the night, you, you, the, sort of the song's finished. Everyone shouts one last song, even though you've been drinking all day and actually it's definitely time for bed. That whole journey of emotions, it's amazing. And at the time, those emotions can feel so deep. But actually, those emotions, if we're honest, are quite superficial. And we kind of just go along with the day, and the next morning we wake up and everything's pretty normal again, other than for the bride and groom, hopefully. But today, we're looking at how God is compassionate. And I want to explore how his compassion for us, and therefore our compassion for others, goes way deeper than sometimes how superficial our emotions can be. Now, you may have come across the idea before that the word compassion is taken from the Latin root passio, which means to suffer with. 
and the prefix com, meaning together. Sorry, passio to suffer, prefix com, together. So that compassion together means to suffer together or to suffer with. But today I want to explore this idea that actually the characteristic of compassion from God goes way deeper than the fact he just comes alongside us in our suffering. So the original language this text was written in was Hebrew. And in Hebrew, the word like the have compassion is rakam. Compassionate as a word is rakum. And compassion as a noun is rakamim. Now, I don't know if anyone here is nerdy enough to have played the video game Skyrim. But as I was writing this, um, Josh and I got into it in lockdown. And as I was writing it, I thought these words sounded a little bit like the spells you cast there. Rakamim. Anyway, that's just a side point. So these three words, rakam, rakum, and rakamim, are all related to the Hebrew word for womb, which is rakem. And biblical scholars don't think this is just a coincidence. The idea of being compassionate here is linked to the idea of being deeply moved, both in an emotional sense and in a sense of being brought, drawn into action that follows. And just as the word compassion is linked to the word for womb, being compassionate is mirrored in a mother's response to her infant. One example we see of this word being used in scripture is in the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a prophet, so pre-Jesus coming to earth. And in this sort of passage, he is sharing the promise and the foreshadowing of Jesus coming to earth as the ultimate rescue. And in the middle of this, in Isaiah 49, the people say, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And the Lord's response is, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. A mother has absolute instincts for her baby. Yet we know that humans can even fail at this. And God says, I will never fail. I will never forget. It's quite helpful here for illustration purposes that I do have a four-month-old baby. So a couple of months ago, I was at the British Museum with my sister. Amos was strapped to my sister, um, and I needed a wee. So I went to the toilet, and she went to buy a bottle of water. And I came out of the toilets, and I couldn't see her anywhere. I was like, oh, that's fine. She's just gone to find another stand with some water or taken Amos for a walk and just sort of thought I'd stand there. And then suddenly this rush of adrenaline flooded over me. I had thoughts of my sister's run away with my baby or someone's tackled my sister and stolen my baby. And then I felt sweaty and hot and I had to do something. So I tried to look for my sister and I was cursing how short she was and then I was running from stand to stand and then I realized I just needed to go back to where I was and two minutes later she appeared from behind a pillar claiming that this was the most expensive water bottle she had ever bought and everything was absolutely fine. I've even kept that water bottle partly as a rem like, reminder of this story and partly because it was really expensive and I filled it with chickpeas as like a rattle for Amos. The point of this story is that like my instincts, even though I knew everything was absolutely fine and my mind was constantly saying, everything's good, it's fine, he's here somewhere. 
my body was just there to act. As a mother for an infant, there was nothing I could do about it. My emotions just flooded over me. I was deeply moved by the situation I was in. I was charged with emotion and ready for action. And God says this is how he reacts to us. He doesn't just care about us from afar. He is deeply moved by who we are. And he responds to us in an even more stronger, more protective way than a mother responds to an infant. And we see this acted out throughout Scripture. We see God listen to the needs of the people when they were in slavery in Egypt and rescue them. We see God um, as they're wandering the desert and they're hungry and thirsty, deliver them water and food and shelter. Ultimately, he is deeply moved with compassion, so much so that he comes to earth in form of a man, Jesus. So much so that he fully embraces the womb, enters our world as a human to provide this ultimate reaction to the messy state we've got ourselves in. And then in Jesus, we also see the compassionate character of God. He even compares himself to a mother hen in Luke, where he says, I have longed to gather your children together as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wing. He had compassion on the people who traveled to hear him. In Matthew, he says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he says in Mark, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a great distance. And then Jesus takes this immense compassion he has for his people, the people he created, and it leads him to the ultimate action, to sacrifice himself on the cross for us all. So we've seen that God having a character matters. And we've explored a part of that character today, that God is compassionate, is deeply moved by our suffering, and wants to throw himself into our mess, a bit like a perfect parent. So how does this characteristic of God affect us every day? Well, I think knowing God's character affects us in two ways. Firstly, it affects how we relate to God. And secondly, it affects how we then act and share the hope and love of Jesus with other people. So firstly, it matters in how we relate to him. So how do we relate to the understanding that God is deeply moved by our needs? That God is the perfect parent. That God always responds and never forgets. Now, on one hand, that sounds quite easy. That's like the characteristic of a perfect friend, leader, parent, teacher, all mixed into one. That surely that must lead to beautiful times of intimacy in prayer and of doing life with Jesus. And sometimes it does. But I think it's important that we accept that it's not always that easy to relate to God in that way. As I mentioned, I have a four-month-old son, which means four and a bit months ago, I was preparing to go into labor. And I felt so close to Jesus in the weeks leading up to that time. I was so excited to do this crazy adventure of parenthood with him, and I was fully trusting Jesus in all that was to come. 
I was so excited to introduce my boy to Jesus, even though Jesus kind of knew him first. But, and I was so excited to like get to introduce Jesus to Amos. In the midst of this time, we also had some quite difficult situations around us with our like some really close friends and family that we were praying for. My labor turned out not to be very easy, not that any labor really is, um, but I remember multiple times through it kind of calling out to Jesus and asking him for help, asking for what was going on to change. Amos was born and we were both okay, and Josh kind of left the hospital about 3 a.m., and I remember eventually going to sleep and then being woken up at 6 a.m., welcome to motherhood. I remember just being so astounded that I had a son and how just beautiful he was. And I remember being really angry at Jesus. I felt like Jesus had abandoned me, and I felt like Jesus had abandoned our friends. Jesus was meant to be compassionate. He was meant to be so perfect. And I, in my brokenness, thought he had failed me. It took me weeks to be able to talk to Jesus again in a way that wasn't forced and that wasn't bitter. And I spent weeks afterwards grieving that time which was meant to be so full of joy, where Jesus and I got to be closer than ever as I worked out what it was to be a parent. I felt like I missed it. During this time, I clung to the truth that I knew Jesus was compassionate and that he hadn't let me down. But it wasn't easy, and it still isn't all of the time. <laughs> It's okay if you find relating to Jesus' compassionate side tricky. Even if on the outset it seems like this should be the easiest thing in the world. But I'd encourage you to ask him to help you do it. Don't keep Jesus at arm's length because it's tricky. Ask him to help you relate to that side of his character. So knowing God's compassionate character does and should help us in our relationship with him. But how does it help us in sharing God with others? I think it's really easy to mix this idea of God being compassionate and with charity. That being compassionate or deeply moved is like watching one of those heart-wrenching ads, so texting a number to donate a tenner, or dropping some food off at a food bank, or even just hosting a group that kind of helps people get their lives back together. Not that any of those things are wrong or that we shouldn't do it, but just I'm not quite sure it encapsulates what compassion is. Brené Brown, who's the professor and author of many books around kind of emotions and our responses, says, compassion is fueled by understanding and accepting that we're all made of strength and struggle. No one is immune to pain or suffering. Compassion is not a practice of better than or I can fix it for you. It's a practice of the beauty and pain of shared humanity. God's character of compassion begins with being deeply moved like a mother is for her infant. Responding to an infant or raising a child isn't saying you are better than them or can fix everything for them. It isn't paying for a quick solution or meeting them once a week to discuss any problems they need help with. 
That got a better laugh this morning. I think it was full of parents who realised that was ridiculous. <laughs> Anyone who has participated in raising a child, whether you are a parent, an adoptive or foster parent, whether you are a nanny, a nursery practitioner, an aunt, a godparent, or simply someone who watches on the side, will know that that's not how we raise a child. We know that an infant is healthiest not if they have the best toys, the perfect crib, or the cutest clothes, but if they have a secure attachment with their caregiver, if they feel remembered, listened to, and responded to. When we reach out with compassion in the name of Jesus, we do so from being deeply moved to remember them, to listen to them, and to respond to them. We do it from a place of knowing that it isn't necessarily about what we do. And as an achiever personality, for me, that's quite tricky. But it's about how we respond, how we connect, and how we listen to them. And all of this is pretty impossible to create from our own selves. This ultimate love, the ultimate connection we have, comes from love himself. Jesus Christ. We need to remember when we're sharing God's love and sharing out of compassion that we do so sent by him. We need to be filled up with prayer and devotion to him, to come from a place of doing it for him, for, with him, for people, so they can make a connection with him. We need to remember this so our compassion doesn't, as individuals and as a church, doesn't just turn into charity. But it's an avenue for people to meet Jesus, who's the ultimate parent, the ultimate one within whom their needs are met. God's compassionate character is to be deeply moved by who we are and to respond to us in our need and to never forget us. God's compassionate character is to jump into the mess, to be charged into action with us and for us, out of a place of love. And God's compassionate character of love and sacrifice leads us to imitate that character, to be deeply moved for those around us, and to bring them into community where they themselves can encounter the compassion of Jesus Christ. Why don't I pray? Jesus, thank you that you came to earth and showed us who you are. God, we thank you that you reveal to us your character, that you are someone we can know. God, we thank you that you have compassion on us, that that isn't merely charity or pity or a sidelined idea of, who, um, of relationship with us, but that you are deeply moved God, we pray that you will help us to relate to your character in this way. That we will not hold you at arm's length, but embrace um, that fatherhood that you um, show upon us and that love and that connection. And we pray that you help us to be moved in a way that is compassionate to others so they might themselves feel that compassion from you. Amen.